What up, people? Welcome to the Mind Body Hoops podcast. This podcast is going to be about me learning with you guys, basically. I'm going to bring on some of the people that I think are at the top of their field in terms of what they do, and they're going to help us become better hoopers. But more importantly, they're going to make us better, well-rounded humans, man. Like performance is an on the court and off the court thing. And I hope that's what you take away from this podcast is that it'll make you a better hooper. It'll make you a better athlete. It'll make you perform better, but it'll also make you a happier person, a healthier person, whatever the case may be. So whether it's improving our mind, our body, or our ability to play hoops, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I do cool time when we can plug in some headphones and learn from the best in the world and uh, I hope these podcasts bring you value in becoming a better athlete and becoming a better version of yourself thanks for tuning in again this is Max from Mind Body Hoops and I hope you enjoy I know I say this a lot but today's episode was really one of my favorites so far I'm joined by Ryan Stock. Ryan is the author of Buddha Was a Baller, How to Awaken the Athlete Inside You. An awesome read. He's also the founder of a athlete meditation app called MindSport. In this conversation, we talk all about mindfulness and meditation and how it can help help us perform as athletes and then help us improve our lives. Like Meditation and mindfulness, me and Ryan both connect on the fact that it's so important to the development of you know, young athletes, adult athletes, whoever we may be, but it's also going to help our lives. And that's kind of such a good way to embody everything my page is about. And Ryan does an awesome job about articulating this and and we explain the science behind it. We talk about how to do it, how to implement it. If you don't have much time, we go into depth about kind of the benefits, how we can implement it and why we should implement it. Ryan talks about kind of how he got into this world, transitioning from college basketball into, you know, developing his mind in a, in a way he felt like he needed to and then being able to write a book on this and then now launch an app on this super awesome for a guy who's accomplished as much as ryan has and, and who's been through as much as he has he comes off so authentic and genuine and it really felt like i was just having a conversation with a homie so i really appreciate that about ryan his authenticity authenticity and and then just you know, sharing his story like in a real way and then expressing his message in a real way and talking about this in such an open and inviting way. This is one of the podcasts I'm most passionate about. Like if there's one habit you can implement that will change so many aspects of your life, me and Ryan talk about it, whether it's your family, your sporting, your your relationships, your ability to focus, your ability to find meaning in things, your ability to like recognize bad habits, your ability to recognize the people that are in your life that are toxic and are not toxic. Like there's so many aspects that can improve by developing some sort of mindfulness and meditation practice. And that's what this episode's about. It is the biggest like vitamin. If you could take a vitamin that'll enhance your mindset, enhance your the way you think about things meditation and mindfulness would be it and there's no downsides so this conversation is a deep dive into enhancing our mental game an aspect of our game that people often overlook but i'm super passionate about and it was really awesome to talk with a professional someone who has expertise in this and ryan stock so really epic conversation we go about 50 minutes action-packed i really recommend you listen to the whole thing again one of my favorite episodes so far and i know i say that a lot but that's the benefit of this podcast man they just keep getting better and better and better so let me know how you like this hit me up on instagram after you listen to it and let me know um, one of my favorites so without further ado please enjoy this conversation i had with author and founder of the mind sport app ryan stock 
All right, we're recording. Ryan, I'm super excited to connect, man. Uh, I've been encouraging things like mindfulness and meditation on my page for a while now. So when we first connected, it was super awesome to see someone for the first time, really, like so aligned with what I was trying to do. And and this space is something I'm really passionate about. So um, and I think it's something missing in the mainstream sports world. So I'm really glad there's people like you pushing a message out there that's maybe misrepresented. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so I'm excited to talk. And thanks for hopping on the podcast, my man. No, thanks so much for having me. And I, I totally agree. It was um, ironic how we connected. But then uh, as we started to, to talk more and more, uh, we're very much aligned philosophically. And then I, I've got a basketball background. I, I played in college and then coached college basketball for 12 years before I, I got into what I'm into now with, with the book and then the, the app both. So um, as soon as I saw your stuff and the content you were providing both podcast wise and and social media wise i agree it was a, a perfect match excited to be here yeah it's it's been cool how this is the podcast has kind of transpired into that and like and and finding these really authentic fits with people and it's been an awesome opportunity but before we dive into it you said you uh you know you played college ball at the college level you you coached at the college level doing basketball at a really high level where did buddhism and, and the philosophies of buddhism kind of come into play and also hold on i just want to sorry to cut myself off I do, want, <laughs> I do want to preface by saying to anybody listening, it's going to be easy for you guys if this is a new concept to you guys and, and whether we're talking about Buddha or Buddhism or mindfulness, we're coming at this in a philosophical approach. Nothing about this conversation is religious based. Um, I want to put that out there just because it's easy for people to, when they heard, hear the word Buddhism, they, <laughs> it's easy for people to say, you know, like, well, I'm not a Buddhist. Right. This doesn't apply yeah. to me. So for you, how did basketball and Buddhism kind of collide for you? Yeah, um, no, and I, I appreciate you, you phrasing the question that way uh, because in all honesty, I'm, I'm actually not Buddhist either. I have, Obviously, the title of the book is Buddha Was a Baller, um, but I I agree with with you and your sentiment, sentiment there in that um, it's more just uh, been a spiritual journey for me, and I just try and get athletes and, and coaches uh, all across the world now to understand um, the core concepts more than anything else. I think you know, religiously, a lot of people try and say the same thing in a lot of different ways. Um, and I just, uh, with the mindfulness and meditation component of it all, um, obviously Buddhism and, and then the Buddha was a baller kind of took off from there. Um, but I appreciate you, you phrasing the question that way. Um, circling back to, to the initial question though, how, how did it integrate into my life? Um, so the revelatory moment for me, so to speak, was uh, actually my 34th birthday. We had a, a basketball game that day um, that I was essentially the offensive coordinator for a Division II basketball team in the Midwest. Um, uh, so as I mentioned, it was it was my birthday. We had a game that day, um, and I actually found out that morning that I was having uh, my first child with my wife at the time. We're no longer together, but all these amazing events happened the same day and we had a game that night and we won by double digits. Um, and I went home that night and, um, for whatever reason, some, some frustrating events took place that day. And, and so we win the game, uh, a really tough conference game, um, at a, at a really high level division two NCAA school. It's my birthday. And I find out I'm having my first child and I found myself like drinking by myself in the kitchen at, at midnight. Um, and I talked about this a little bit in the preface of the book. Mm -hmm. And so I remember thinking, 
very vividly at that time, I was like, man, what am I doing? You, you coach this game. Well, you guys won by double digits at your birthday and you find out you're having your first kid. Um, you can't continue to, to live like this. And, uh, and so that really started me on the journey. Um, and it took me a, a couple of years to get to the, to the app and to the book both. But, um, I just realized then that one, it wasn't going to be healthy for me, especially as a father to continue living like that. Um, and then the other big thing and why I got into to writing and developing the app and all that was, I knew there was other athletes and coaches that felt like I felt and I wanted to, to be able to help all those people too. So I, I went in the next day and, and told the coach I was done at the end of the season, um, that, that I couldn't do this anymore, uh, resigned. And then that essentially started me on the journey that you were just talking about. I love that. And I love that you opened the book with that. And it comes from a very vulnerable and open place. So we immediately like are on your side. It, it's not easy to talk about things like that, but I can relate to that. Like I, I played college ball for a year and it ended abruptly due to injury and, and stepping away from the game. I kind of hit this wall and this lull. Um, and I've talked about this right. on pod past podcasts, but it was because of that pain that kind of took me a different direction. And, and it sounds like it's similar with you where, you know, your, your quest to like, start feeding your mind more beneficial things and, and start changing the way you think about things came from a, a source of pain. And, and looking back on the game, we both can kind of say there's, a, there's something missing here and there's something missing and that people aren't using this approach early enough. And it almost is getting to the point where people are turning to things like mindfulness and meditation out of, out of a, almost like a, a solution to the pain and whatever it might be. But what I like about what you're doing and what I'm trying to do is trying to, you know, maybe implement this earlier before we absolutely need it due to necessity and pain and things like that. So super inspiring right. story in the way you started, but for people who don't, that. for people who don't know what, you know, mindfulness or meditation is, um, how would you, how would you go about explaining that? Cause it's kind of hard for me to encompass. So what is mindfulness? What is meditation? Yeah. Um, so the whole practice of, of mindfulness and meditation is essentially just the ability to focus more on, on being present, remaining present, whether it's in your athletic performance or just in life. Um, and so what that means is essentially um, you, you start at the very lowest levels, like, like I suggest in the book and in the, in the app both, with, with something as, as simple as just focusing on your breath, even if it's just for a couple minutes. Um, you know, something as simple as breathing in, breathing out, noticing you know, where your breath touches your nostrils or uh, as you exhale, how it feels. As it as it flows through your mouth, um, and then just becoming more aware of your body. You know, whether you're feeling heat or cold, uh, pain, tightness, um, maybe feeling good, but you just essentially start to become more present, more aware of all these things. Um, and then it's it's a practice, so it, it takes time to advance, just like any skill that we have in life. You know, from dribbling to shooting um, to anything that we're going to really value, uh, it takes time to grow it from there. Um, but eventually where it ends up is the highest level of athletic performance is, is the ability to perform unconsciously where you're just totally present and you're no longer having to think about anything you do. Um, it's why when guys like Steph Curry are scoring 60 points or, you know, like Clay did the other night, um, the, that's why we say they're out of their mind or they're unconscious. It's because they're quite literally no longer thinking. And so that's essentially the highest level of, of mindfulness is when you're, you're so present, um, whether it's in your life or, or on the court, that you're no longer having to think um, everything just becomes reactionary and, and you're, you're quite literally 
unconscious. That's, that's the definition of, of being in the zone, being mindful. That was a long winded answer. No, not, not <laughs> at all. You nailed question. it. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it hit, it's, it hits. I mean, and when you can bridge the gap to some of these athletes that it's so easy to understand it when you kind of put like someone like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. And, and for me, you know, just starting the journey with meditation and mindfulness, it started with Kobe because Kobe, you know, was, yeah. was under Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson, you know, with all his championship teams, he put them under a, you know, a pretty, a tough meditation practice. And people talk about like, how do I get so focused? Like Kobe, how do I, you know, get all the distractions out? Like Kobe did in the clutch. Kobe was so clutch. And it really comes down to that, that presence, like right. you said, and that, that ability to, and that, that moment in the fourth quarter when there's so many other distractions, like the crowd and, you know, holy shit, this is such a big moment. How do, how do I not right. choke? Kobe had the ability to, you know, calm himself, focus on his breath and stay present in those moments. And so say we understand, okay, we have to stay present. We have to stay present. Mindfulness meditation is cool. How do we develop that? How do we begin to build that muscle of staying present? Like how do we actually do it? Yeah. Um, and I alluded to it a little bit with, with the, it's, it's a practice, man. And, and it's like anything, um, you know, there's going to be days where you're better at it than others. Um, yeah. you know, you're going to be able to meditate for longer periods of time or, or be more present in your performance for longer periods of time. Um, you know, there, there's ways to meditate pre-practice, post-practice, uh, when you wake up, setting your intention for the day, when you go to sleep, um, there's, you know, sessions that help you with anxiety and stress. So it just really depends on, um, your moment, your mood, you know, what, what session or what type of practice is going to really resonate with you. Um, totally. but the, but the biggest thing I would, I would invite everyone or suggest, I guess would be a better way of phrasing it is, is be judgment free as you, as you start your journey. Um, the hardest part for athletes, especially in the beginning is you want to be successful and good at everything you do. And it's really hard to calm your mind. Um, it's, it's called monkey mind for, for beginning meditators out there. But yeah, generally when you, when you start your practice, you, you can't help, but even if you're doing something as I say simple, but, um, you know, lower level meditating, like focusing on, on counting your breasts or something like that, your mind's still going to jump from like, you know, I've got a test later, or, um, maybe you're having some problems with your partner or whatever the case may be where your mind starts to be distracted or, or wander off. And mm -hmm. you're, you're going to feel like you need to judge yourself with that. Like you're not doing a good job or that you're, you know, quote unquote failing, uh, at, at meditating. And, and that's not it, man. That's, that's not the case. That's, that's the beauty to me of, of mindfulness and meditation is there's no wrong way. You can't succeed or fail. Uh, and I mentioned this a little bit in, in the book too, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can't be a good meditator or a bad meditator. It just, the beauty of, of being mindful is, is just, it is what it is. And, and you just start to be able to label those thoughts and label those emotions. Um, and then, you know, you slowly progress from there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, go ahead. I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I wish I had something to listen to like this beforehand, because when I first started, man, the, like the crazy monkey mind is insane. Right. And it's like, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the entry level to awareness is when you can, you sit down, you try to focus on your breath, you count your breaths. And yeah. if you do that for five minutes, like you are not going to count your breaths for five minutes. You're going to think oh, about no. a million things. And, and when I started, I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'm just like, uh, you know, I have ADD. I can't do it. So <laughs> No, that that's exactly right. And I, a lot of people, 
think and feel that way. I mean, I, I did too when I, when I started and I actually made that mistake even in, even in creating the app that we'll, we'll get to later. But a lot, a lot of the first sessions I had were like nine or 10 minutes. Cause I was so focused on wanting to provide all this great content that I made the initial sessions mm-hmm. really long. And then I realized people were hopping off after like two or three minutes. And I was like, man, I, what am I doing? Who, like, who am I trying to prove this stuff to? I need to, exactly. I need to help athletes more than I need to, you know, prove worth or whatever. So I, I shortened a bunch of the sessions down. Now we even have them within the app that are just two or three minutes to where you can get in, get out judgment free, you know, especially as you just mentioned for the beginners with that monkey mind. Cause that's, that's everybody, man. That's not just you, right? Yeah. And it's that consistent the, with the two or three minutes to start. It just like builds that, you know, that, like you said, just being kinder to yourself and that like you're making progress, you're getting more yeah. aware, you're getting more right. mindful. And like that two or three minutes, if you can do that consistently, that alone is like going to help you a lot. And then from there you can start to stack your minutes. Like I think the most, I, I still haven't got, I've been doing it for almost two years now and I've still like capped out at about 10 minutes a day is like as much as I can do, which is, I try to just say, you know, that's better than nothing. So, um, Absolutely. what I love about the book, the book talks a lot, a lot about this and the benefits about this and, and does so in such a, you know, like a friendly and casual way that it makes it not so, you know, invasive of people's ideas. So I really liked that. You talked a little bit about the science in the book. Do you, on the top of your head, can you, cause I can't, <laughs> is there, right. can you talk about the science? Yeah. And I'll just, um, I'll just get surface level because when you start getting into, at least this is how I find it. Um, yeah, totally. When you get into like the actual areas of the brain that it affects and how and all that, that, that stuff get, <laughs> gets a little it does. dull for the casual listener. So, um, yeah, real quick though, the, the things I, I talk about, um, because most athletes want to know how it's going to physically make them better. Um, and so, you know, scratching the surface on that, uh, it's been proven now in, in a couple studies, one, uh, just got released overseas, actually, that it actually improves reaction times and the accuracy of your reactions. So they had these two groups, um, you know, one control group and then one that they had meditate regularly. Um, so not only did their reaction times improve within their sport, the accuracy of those reactions um, improved as well. So you've got that going for you. Reducing mm-hmm. anxiety and stress. This is um, something that a lot of people don't think about, but um, if your muscles are tight because of stress, um, which we've all had that happen, you know, your neck gets tight or your your shoulders, um, you know, even when you're meditating, that occasionally happens. Um, you're not going to be as flexible, which in turn isn't going to allow your range of motion. Um, you're not going to be able to lift as much weight. Um, again, your reflexes and all that will will suffer as a result of it. So something as simply or as simple as um, reducing anxiety and stress is going to really help too. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, of things from a physical component um, that are really going to help. But then you get into the other kind of mental components that are actually going to uh, make you better, you know, even scientifically. And some things like uh, improving your EQ or your emotional quotient, which is the ability to more effectively communicate and understand not only your own behaviors, but um, other people's behaviors and, and how to communicate more effectively with with teammates and coaches. Uh, mindfulness and meditation has been, been proven to do that. Um, and then just improving your quality of life. I mean, you know, from everything that we've touched on, you know, just in these last couple of minutes, if you can even improve, you know, one or 2% in those areas, um, your overall quality of life is going to be significantly better too. So, there's all kinds of um, physical and now proven scientifically uh, benefits to regularly meditating. And, and the thing that I touch on a lot 
is a lot of people think that that's just like a, a mental thing, which for you and I both, you know, is, is obviously huge, but yeah, um, it's also, it's also going to improve you physically too. So there's, there's going to be benefits to, to both sides of the equation. That's the beauty of the practice. And I think that that helps people to hear is to hear the actual science behind it, because it, it's easy for people to get caught up in saying, you know, this is a spiritual thing. I'm not a spiritual person, but when it comes right. down to the science of it, it's a, it's a bicep curl for your brain. And then it's also, <laughs> it, it's also going to help you, uh, you know, physically. So where you give some examples in the book, are there any examples you could give me? Like, um, I don't know. You say it gives you this space between reaction and, and action. And if something yeah, yeah, happens, pause. Yeah, yeah. Sa- the sacred pause, maybe talk about that and, and maybe some examples as to w- within the basketball game, when that comes into play. Cause I know there's some key moments in a basketball game when it can be easy for someone like me to like get mad at the ref or whatever it may be. Maybe talk about that for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and real quick, um, circling back to that last question, just because as you summed it up, you summed it up great. But um, the the last piece I'll add to that is um, there's there's essentially only three ways to improve as an athlete, right? Physically, like lifting and running, mm-hmm. skill work wise, ball handling, shooting, uh, and then improving your mind. That's that's quite literally the only three ways you can improve as an athlete. Um, almost everybody focuses on the first two, but almost nobody focuses on the third and if you're really trying to separate yourself as an athlete um you know instead of raising one of those two from a six to a seven or a seven to an eight i'd focus more on raising my mental game maybe it's you know a two or a three or a four and you can get it to a seven or an eight and that's why i think um the power of of mindfulness and meditation really really jump, jumps in there but and i love um, that i'll cut you off real fast it's almost as, <laughs> it's almost as ahead. if you could score your like I, the way i like to think about it when you put it that way was you can score yourself on like, okay, my skill set is a is a nine, and then my my physical body is maybe a seven, and then my mind for a lot of people is like a two or three. And if you add the three of those up and take the average, that's kind of who you are as an athlete. And so that mental game could be, you know, if you say you maybe you're a little short, um, or if you're like me, you didn't have that natural like jump out of the gym ability. You can up your mental game and you know average yourself up as a player, and people don't realize yeah. that like you will become a better player by diving into that. So just wanted to share the way I think about what <laughs> no, you just put it. It's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, back to the, to the sacred pause. So uh, another really beneficial part of it in, in the sacred pause is so most people, when, when something happens, some kind of trigger, some kind of negative event, um, we tend to uh, just react, right. Which is, that means, you know, somebody pushes you, so you punch him, or the coach yells at you, so you throw the ball, or you know, cuss at him, or something. And um, and so that would be a reaction. And generally, when we react, uh, it's negative, or else it has negative consequences. But um, what the sacred pause does is um, we just take, you know, one deep breath in that moment. Um, so instead of reacting, we let our mind and our body both take a second to process those emotions and understand what we're feeling and why and and even labeling them um and so when we realize we're feeling anger or hurt or frustration instead of having that snap back reaction that generally is going to have some kind of negative consequence we can more thoughtfully respond which is usually going to put us in a better space and then make um, whatever we decide to do action wise, uh, a more thoughtful and a much more beneficial response versus a reaction. Um, generally when we 
snap react like i said it's it's going to have some kind of negative consequence um or be something without thinking that oftentimes gets us in trouble and when we take that that extra breath that extra second to to think to label our thoughts label our emotions and then respond in a more uh, more conscious more thoughtful way generally our results are going to be much much better totally and it, it applies for me Outside of the basketball, of course, the basketball court for me, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it mostly when I miss like two shots in a row. I where I normally have a trigger to yell at myself or like cuss yeah. out loud. I'll be like, take a sec and just know that you're, you're a good damn shooter. So just wait till the next shot. You'll make that one. And or if, yeah. you know, if a ref does a horrible call, I'm like, OK, just just relax. Like nothing you could yell at this dude. It's going to help you. So taking that yeah. having that space helps so much. And then going on beyond the court. Just someone says something, it's easy for us to react really fast or get defensive really fast. But just to take that sacred pause, like you said, and and let it pass has been so beneficial. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to talk about like I'm going to ask you as the expert. You know, one of the issues I had with meditation, I got really excited about it. Say for a month, you know, I'm, I'm putting in five to ten minutes a day, and I'm feeling the benefits. But then after a while, I feel like maybe an issue with some people could be the fact that they say like. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I'm just sitting there for five minutes. Like my mind's just going crazy. Um, is that still beneficial? Like taking that five minutes and say, I'm sitting in silence trying to count my breath, but my mind's just going crazy. And there's those days where I'm, or, you know, six, like a string of days where I just feel like I'm going through the motions of meditation and just sitting there and calling it meditation. Um, yeah. What would you say to me in that case? Yeah. Um, and that's a great question and something that's um, become kind of a, hot topic right now in the meditation world because so many people especially early on were like no matter what 30 minutes every day um you know even if you're uncomfortable then just label that label those thoughts that you're uncomfortable and that you know your session sucked that day or whatever um but i would yeah i would actually veer more towards and i i find myself doing this i try and and do it 30 minutes every day there's there's sometimes um when you count yoga as, as active meditation, there's sometimes where I'll, yeah. I'll meditate for like an hour and a half, two hours in a day. Um, but I, I, I share all that because, um, if you're having to force yourself to do it, um, then that's probably not the right space to be in to do it. Um, I will say that just like an athlete, there's days where you don't want to practice or you don't want to lift. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you got to do it. Um, you know, to, to be successful, to maintain discipline. Um, but I certainly wouldn't, you know, like force myself to do it for 30 minutes. If you're not feeling it that day, then maybe you only do, you know, a minute or three minutes or five minutes, maybe you skip a day. Um, but, but the bigger thing with all of it is, is be judgment free of whatever decision you make. Um, there will be sessions that you have where you'll, you'll feel like it sucked at the end of it or that it wasn't as productive as you like. Um, but that's where I get into the, you know, just, just label that, label those emotions, um, and understand that, um, you know, a bad or shitty meditation session is still going to be better than, um, the alternative of like going out and drinking or smoking or, you know, trying to control your emotions or anxiety in another way. So even an unproductive meditation session, you know, you should be judgment free of yourself in that regard. Um, but at the same time, I, I certainly, I'm not one of those people that says, force it every day for 30 minutes, no matter what, I think you have to just like we do as athletes, understand your mind and body and, and what it's telling you it needs that day. Um, and then just be conscious of it. And, and again, label that label those thoughts, label those emotions, and then 
practice it as you as you deem necessary. I like that, and I I like that you you keep touching on the fact like no self judgment, and and then you keep touching on labeling. So labeling the fact that we're having trouble with meditation, labeling the fact that maybe uh, we feel like we had a shitty meditation center, but. Right. For me, it's at least moving the needle helps, you know, doing like five minutes instead of 20 or 30 or whatever, moving the needle is yeah. better than nothing. And and for me, usually if I'm meditating, that 10 minutes spent meditating is 10 minutes I would have spent like scrolling on Instagram. So it's always beneficial for me. Another, well, uh, and then it's here real quick. Yeah, real go quick, ahead. Let me, let me jump in is, is, and this is something that we offer within the app and what I was talking a little bit about with, um, with yoga a lot of people don't realize there's there's all kinds of forms of of different meditations. Like I went to a, a seven day meditation retreat out our closer to you in the West Coast there in in San Diego, and they meditate doing everything. They have working meditations, they have eating meditations, they have walking meditations. Um, I mean, you meditate essentially all day, but you know maybe for you in that particular day, um, instead of sitting with your eyes closed like you normally would. Maybe you just do a five minute walking meditation where you're, you know, conscious of your body and, and how mm. it feels and, and, um, and of your breath, you know, and counting your breaths. Um, yeah. or you do a little more active meditation, like, you know, yoga is, yoga is essentially a form of meditation. It's, it's still focusing on, on your body and its movements and, um, and being present. So there's a lot of variations of it. And maybe that's the answer too, for, for some of those people that really struggle with sitting meditations at first is there's, there's a ton of variations of it that they can help you kind of mix it up, so to speak, so that it doesn't become as mundane, um, as it does initially, if you just sit every day, no matter what. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to, to kind of change it up, so to speak. So you can find a, a comfort zone for yourself. I love that. you t- uh, And I wouldn't have asked that to ask the, to like facilitate that answer, but that was such a great answer because for me, that was something that really, helped tremendously and was realizing that meditation isn't just, uh, you know, sitting there for 10 minutes with your eyes closed and whatever, like meditation can be throughout your whole day. It's kind of just like you said in the beginning of this conversation, it's just that, that mindfulness and that focus on the breath, you can do that doing anything. And when you focus on the breath, you kind of naturally anchor yourself to the present moment. And, and like you said, just like, if you're not feeling it and this is like, lessons to myself. I need to re-listen to this over and over because if, if I don't have the time to sit down and meditate or if I'm not, if I'm just going through the motions that day, it, it's so beneficial for me just to say, okay, this 10 minute walk will be my meditation and then be super mindful of my breath and my foot and, and my body, which is awesome. And one of the follow-up questions I was going to ask is one of the, one of the most, when I was like pushing meditation a lot and recommending people try it, a lot of the things I would get was, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And, and the answer you just gave me kind of helps with that. It's like, okay, if you don't, if you don't have time to sit for 10 minutes, um, which is crazy, you know, 10 minutes is nothing, but you could find other ways to do it and be mindful throughout. So is that kind of the answer you'd give to someone that says, you know, I just don't have time for this? Or is that kind of an answer? Or is that kind of question kind of just saying like, I'm not dis- like disciplined enough? Where's the line there? Uh, Yeah, I would, I would actually answer that question in a couple ways. There's, there's a, an old, proverb and and i forget where the quote comes from um but somebody essentially says that if they ask you know the zen master um what they need to do to find enlightenment and he says something like meditate 30 minutes for every day and um and the guy's like well i i don't have time for that i want to expedite the process you know how can i speed this up and he's like if you don't have time for it then you need to meditate for an hour every day um essentially saying that (laughs) you know that you need to rearrange your priorities if that's if that's how you feel. Yeah. Um, but I, 
and I, I share that because I think it's like anything in life. We generally find time for what's important um, for us and, and what we find value in, um, whether that's, again, relationships or sports or school. Um, and so my uh, I guess my challenge to, to the listeners would be more so in that you always have time to find a minute or three minutes or five minutes you know, you can do it. Um, you can literally quite literally meditate, like walking from your car to class or, um, you know, walking into work, or if you're a coach, you know, taking a minute or two before or after practice or whatever, um, to just breathe and, and, and be present. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the famous monk who was actually his monastery I attended out in Escondido. He says mindfulness can be found in just one breath. Um, so I, I would focus a lot less on the time um, mm-hmm. and just and just being more conscious of um, of those details and of your body and of your breath. And um, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be, like I said, 30 minutes or an hour a day. Like I think everybody, when they hear meditation and mindfulness initially, you know, they think of monks like meditating, like you see in like martial arts movies or something like that. And that's that's exactly. not what it is, man. It's it's uh, it's finding those those moments throughout the day where you can just, um, you know, focus on the breath and be more present and it, it helps in so many ways. That's, that's the, the thing, you know, kind of coming full circle and why I think it's so crucial is man, it, it improves your relationships and improves your performance. Um, you know, whether it's with your peers, or like I said, with your partner, or if you've got kids or, um, if you're a coach or whatever, it, it improves every single, aspect of your life um and so and so to to say that um and i'm not saying this like in a derogatory way but to say you don't have time that's where i would kind of challenge them and be like you know one it doesn't take that much time but two if i could tell you that every single aspect of your life's going to be better as a result of this isn't that something that's worth finding a few minutes a day for and in my opinion obviously the answer to that's pretty easily yes yeah and it's i love that you just hit hammered that home because i mean there is so many benefits to it and i it's hard for me not to come off as like selling it because i think that's where we both don't want to be in the place where we're like selling it but it's yeah it's the it really is this this amazing thing that can change so many aspects of your game. And then more importantly, like your whole entire life. And it's as if, if there was like a vitamin that told you, you it could do this, you would take that no matter what, like you'd be like, sign me up and, and pay crazy money for it. And you Both. would pay crazy yeah. money for it. And this is free. And there's no <laughs> yeah. side effects. The, the side right. effects is that you, after a couple months of trying it, say, I don't think it's helping that much, but like if you did it for a couple months, it, it probably would help. So yeah. it's just incredible. I might, be pivoting here with this conversation, but it might be under the same umbrella in the book. You talk a little bit about the power of the unconscious and, mm-hmm. and just kind of how powerful that can be. And like you said earlier in the conversation, how people like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are playing at an unconscious level. They don't even have to think about it. How can right. we, can you talk to me a little bit about the power of the unconscious and then maybe how we can start to hone in on the, the subconscious and how to use it to our advantage? Yeah, so just to give everyone the the crash course on that that chapter in particular, um, essentially. So, um, the the first stage of what I call the the conscious or performance cycle uh, is when, like, imagine the six or seven year old version of you, uh, where you're unconsciously ineffective. Um, so, you know, a coach is yelling at you to 
close out or get to the midline or whatever, and you have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Um, you know, like I think I even say this in the book, but you've probably got like Skittles in your pocket and you could care less about midlines or closeouts or any of that. So you don't even realize um, you're ineffective at what you're doing. So that's, that's essentially the first stage, unconsciously ineffective. So then the second stage is consciously ineffective where the coach is yelling these same orders, you know, get to the midline, close out better, whatever it may be. And you realize that you're not doing a good job, um, but you're still not able to do it at least on command or um, as we'll get to unconsciously. So the second stage then is, is consciously ineffective. Um, the third stage is consciously effective. So you're able to do these things, you know, close out with your butt down, chop your feet, um, arms length away or whatever the case may be. Uh, but you have to think about it. So, you know, the coach may say something to you and it snaps you out of it, or you have to really think about it as you're doing it, you know, butt down and all that, um, or sprinting to the midline, whatever it may be, but you're able to do it as long as you're really thinking about it. And then the the final stage, what you're talking about. Um, so this is like Steph Curry on fire is when you're unconsciously effective. So you can do all these really high level movements and high level athletic actions without thinking. Um, so, you know, that's why when people say in the zone or out of their mind or all those terms we use to label high level athlete performance, they're essentially unconsciously effective. So they, they're no longer having to think they're just in this space where everything's so reactionary, um, that you're not even having to second guess or listen. It's just, uh, happens so naturally, so fluidly. It's, it's quite literally without thinking. Um, so the answer to, to your question and you you talked to to Kobe about or you talked about Kobe a little bit early on um, and he is the biggest proponent of this of, of anyone I've ever seen he says man you just got to rep the hell out of everything you do so that it no longer feels like you have to think mm -hmm. or have to physically feel anything you're doing anymore um, and so people would talk about how he'd be in the gym at like 4am doing the most basic stuff like pivoting and footwork and, you know, ball handling. Yeah. He's really what we imagine are low level things. Um, and, and they're not, um, you know, in order to be unconsciously effective in anything, you just got to get a crazy amount of hours and a crazy amount of reps. Um, that's why even pro teams, you know, still do walkthroughs and still rep stuff that, seems so again low level or you know high school or middle school and the reason that they're doing that is because in order to become unconsciously effective at it you just got to rep the hell out of it until it feels so effortless so natural that you're no longer having to think you can just perform at that unconscious level yeah and so repetition is definitely one way to activate that subconscious like steph curry is someone who uh has put in so many reps and so many hours and you know he's made so many shots that when he gets on the court him shooting the ball from, you know, almost half court is unconscious. You right. also, you also talk about unconscious and, and the sense of like our self-talk and kind of how we feel about ourselves and that self-worth. Yeah. And then you kind of even opened the book with a bit of self-doubt. You know, you wrote this book and, and you had yeah. doubts like, <laughs> is anybody going to care about, you know, the correlation right. between Buddhism and basketball? And I thought that was so awesome because so many of us have that, that unconscious self-doubt and, and, and how it kind of relates to the people we allow around us. How can we kind of affect yeah. that type of unconscious behavior, like the way we feel about ourselves? No, great. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. So uh, the conscious conversations we have both with ourselves and, and then with others more um, noticeably and more regularly is 
is those communications that you say like out loud, you know, I think you're great or I love you or whatever it may be. That's obviously a conscious and verbal way of showing that. But the unconscious ones are the things we don't even realize we're thinking or saying, uh, whether it's about others or about ourselves. And a lot of times we don't even realize our, our unconscious mind is, is having these things. But when you, you start to feel those thoughts creep in that, that start to tell you, you know, you're not good enough, or as you mentioned, that's a great point. If you're hanging around these crowds, uh, you know, that are making it like socially acceptable to like drink all day or, you know, smoke crazy amounts of weed or whatever it may be, or, or do negative behaviors, you know, like partying it till 4am the day before a game or something. Um, then those types of inner circles are going to make those unconscious thoughts that are going to be really negative for you, um, you know, start to really escalate and, and become destructive behaviors. Um, and so the flip side of that then is if you're surrounding yourself with, with positive influences, people that are, um, you know, I'm not saying you got to be a square and like never go out or never, um, never go to parties or anything like that, but obviously you've got to be intelligent yourself. And then also with who you surround yourself with so that, those unconscious thoughts that um, that we're oftentimes not aware of become really positive ones, really healthy ones for us and our growth um, yeah. as athletes and as people. And so, yeah, that's that's a great point because um, those are, you know, the the unconscious conscious part isn't only in our physical performance; it's in our it's in our thoughts too. So we have to be really careful who we surround ourselves with and and make sure. You know, one of the one of the amazing things too about this unconscious conscious um, discussion is like a lot of times we talk to ourselves way worse than we would ever talk to anybody else. Um, and so you, that's something you have to really pay attention to too. And, and mindfulness and meditation really helps with that because you can start to label some of those thoughts you're having or some of those ways you're talking to yourself and say, you know, I, I see you anxiety. I see you anger, or I see you jealousy. Like you can go now, um, as you label some of those thoughts you have and, and make those unconscious thoughts and thoughts, become conscious by labeling them and, and putting a name on them and, and not letting them hang around for, uh, as long as they normally would. So yeah, all that stuff really powerful. I, I love totally that. Agree. And one of my, uh, one of my earlier podcasts, I did one with the cognitive psychologist, Eric Godsey, and he, and he had an awesome quote that has stuck with me. And he said, the difference between a man and a king is the king doesn't look away. So a king will look at, look at those negative patterns, those negative thought patterns, and rather than yeah. shove them into the unconscious and say, no, that's not a part of me. The king will look at those and not look away and say, I see you. Like, right. he, just like he said, I see you anxiety. I see you frustration. I see you worry. Like, don't worry, I got this. And then, and then let them, and then and let them gently go. And I right. think, and I think this unconscious kind of goes full circle with everything we talked about. Cause meditation and mindfulness is really the first step to tackling any of this. Yeah. It's such a gentle approach to such a gentle approach to like getting to know your mind and to have more positive self-talk and to help improve that unconscious and become more mindful of who you spend time with. It takes that time to really get to know your brain and what's going on and, and meditation, such a gentle way to like ease into that. Yeah. And it, it's, it's funny cause that's kind of encompassing every, everything we really talked about is, um, is yeah, making the, these unconscious things become, become conscious and just putting you more in tune with, um, you know, what mindfulness is, which is just being more present, um, you know, present with your physical body, present with your mind and your thoughts you're having. Um, and, and so, yeah, putting a label on all these things, making you become more aware, um, more present with your performance, um, with your thoughts, and then able to then 
perform and think at a much higher level because you're becoming conscious of, of all these thoughts and feelings and emotions and, uh, and physical feelings that your body's having. So yeah, that's a great way of, of summing it up and, and encompassing everything we talked about today. That's yeah. Awesome. And so, uh, you know, for people listening, if you want to start today, just sit down, you know, take that time. Um, like Ryan said, just focus on your breath. That's a great way to start focusing on your breath as a, a really low level way of just starting to meditate and becoming aware of what's going on. But Ryan, you also have an app coming out. You know, the book Buddha was a baller was awesome. You have an app called mind sport, right? Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so MindSport is uh, available on iOS and Android both now, um, but it's the first meditation app that's focused exclusively on athletics. So there's others out there like Common Headspace that a lot of people are familiar with, um, but we're the first one that every single one of our sessions is geared towards athletics. So we use terms in our guided meditation sessions like on the court, on the field, you know, or helping you perform better as an athlete. Um, so all our sessions are exclusively for athletes. Um, and you and I talked a little bit off air about this, but we're also, um, so we've got about 30 sessions in the library or so right now, everything from anxiety and stress to visualization, to motivation, um, to helping you sleep at night. We have a pre-session, we have a post-session. So there's, uh, there's quite literally a, a session for, for everything that you would want as an athlete. Um, we're also really, excited we've got yoga um video sessions coming out that are going to go within the app they're already done and recorded it's just our um our coders our it guys are getting within the app that'll be out in the next couple weeks and then we've also um one of the sessions i'm probably most excited about um and one of the other so you talked about monkey mind earlier but one of the other most common negative feedbacks i get for people that are trying to meditate is that they don't always just want to sit there and have like the slow music, the slow meditation. Sometimes they want like a more hype, more upbeat um, yeah. guided meditation for them. And we've actually got a session that we're calling hype that's going to go in the app that people can use um, while they're like lifting or um, doing a light shoot around or whatever. That's going to be 30 minutes long. It's going to have a hip hop version, an inspirational version, uh, kind of like a rock version mm. um, the, where the beats it, it's the same audio. It's just whatever kind of beat you want to listen to that day. Um, but that'll be 30 minutes long and more of a, more of an upbeat background. So all those will be within the app uh, within the next month or so. As I said, the app's already launched on both platforms and there's a ton of sessions, a ton of awesome stuff in there already. Um, but all that new content will be out um, within the next month or so too. So we're really excited about all that. I love that. And for me, what really got med I tried meditation on my own for a while and it just didn't work in the beginning a couple of years ago. And what really got it to stick for me was something like this. It was Headspace, you know, Headspace was yeah. the first program for me that, you know, having these guided meditations, something you could just plug in your headphones and really be walked through the process. It makes, right. it really eliminates that fear of, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? There is really no wrong way to meditate, but having something like this is so powerful. And then, yeah. like you said, there's this is just so amazing that you have this coming out for athlete specific. I think there's a ton of value in it. So I hope my audience, you know, if, if this is something you're interested in, definitely check it out. So just to reiterate, go to the app store, type in Mind Sport, people will find it. Yeah, um, iOS or Android both. And then social media wise, we're on Instagram at my Mind Sport, um, and then Facebook too. But yeah, if they go to iOS or Android or even um, Google, if you just search athlete meditation app, it'll, it'll come up uh, mind sport. You can, it'll take you to whatever platform you perform, but yeah, if they go to either, either iOS or Android and just type in mind sport, they'll find it. 
I love it. I have a couple more questions for you before I let you go. What do you see mindfulness and meditation within the world of sports within like five years? I know it's it's a beginning to slowly be adopted. I hope it becomes widely adopted. Where do you see this being in like five years? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, so it's you know LeBron just had an article about how the Lakers are starting to implement it. Um, teams are starting to hire mindfulness coaches within their organizations. Um, so at the highest levels, it's already starting to be um, pretty well integrated. I actually have been talking back and forth with uh, this guy that Adidas just hired to be essentially their mindfulness and meditation guru within their, their shoe organization. So it's, mm. it's starting to catch fire at the, uh, you know, kind of grassroots level of, um, or I should say that the highest levels, I think it'll then trickle down to college and, and the high school level. You're right though. Any, any kind of movement like this, um, it takes time. You know, I, I think back to like in the nineties with strength and conditioning, like my high school coach, for example, he wouldn't let me lift um, because he, you know, he didn't think that um, that we should be lifting. And now, obviously, that's laughable. Um, and then in the two yeah. thousands, people got into you know nutrition and, and strength and conditioning coaches, um, and that obviously took off. And now everybody pays uh, extra close attention to what athletes are putting in their bodies. And and now I think this will be the next wave for um, you know five or ten years to where we'll look back and probably. 10 years or so and it'll almost be laughable that um every athlete or every organization you know especially pros and and university levels that they just don't have some kind of mindfulness and meditation type coach um to work with their athletes so i I think that that type of of growth may take closer to 10 years but i think here within the next four or five every single athlete will be uh, hopefully using the mind sport app to do it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> meditating or using mindfulness in some component of their, uh, of their performance every day. Absolutely. And I like how you said it definitely starts a lot of these kind of things where, you know, that the most well-informed and the most well fine, like financial, like, yeah, you know, the exactly. sports organizations, yeah. they adopt it first. And, and when, when, you know, we and the youth coming up can see, you know, LeBron James and, you know, for me, it was Kobe Bryant, whoever it is, seeing them meditate that's where it kind of starts at the top and it trickles down so i love that and i think it's the same way i think you know the youth teams the college level teams and i think hopefully you know 15 years hopefully it's in like public school education where you know mindfulness is just kind of the thing we do and we look back and we kind of laugh that we never did this before but right i love that answer and one last question for me it's really awesome to be able to connect with people like you on this podcast like without this podcast who knows if we would ever have, you know, this kind of conversation. So I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for the message yeah, you're you putting. Too. I'm grateful for the message you're putting out and, and kind of the work you're doing. And uh, it's a good opportunity for me to be able to learn from people like you. So I get to ask a selfish question at the end of a podcast like this. <laughs> you know, you got some more wisdom than me. So looking back, assuming you change nothing, <laughs> assuming you change nothing, assuming your life, you know, everything happens for a reason, given that. What advice would you, I'm about to turn 24 by the, by the time this podcast launches, I'll be 24 years old. So what advice would you give your 24 year old self? Wow. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of, so 24, I was making $10,000 a year living in the dorms at Eastern Arizona community college as a, as a JUCO coach. So that's the 24 year old version of, of Ryan stock. Um, but the biggest thing, man, would be, um, it took me, I was just talking with a friend about this last night. It took me about 10 or 12 adult years before I really understood how important it is to invest in your, in your personal growth. 
um, so like reading and doing things to grow yourself with like certifications or um, whatever the programs may be that you're genuinely interested in. Um, I would like work my ass off, work 60, 70 hour weeks, which is great. Everybody's got to grind, especially early on in life. But then you just go home and like mindlessly clock out and watch Netflix or, um, you know, listen to music or whatever it may be. And, and that stuff's necessary. I mean, there's a balance in there. But what I didn't do, man, I I probably read, not exaggerating, like one or two books in like 10 years. Mm. And, and then since I got out <clears throat> when I was 34, I probably read 30 books in three years. Um, yeah. And and the point I'm making with that is um, whether it's through certifications or reading or whatever it may be, um, you can't become conscious. You can't become aware. You can't think differently unless you're presented with information that makes you think differently. Um, so whether that's through your inner circle with, with mentors in your life, uh, with books you may read, um, if you want to raise, you know, the level of your game mentally and physically, if you want to raise your awareness level, you're only going to do that by having conversations and, and reading and, and, um, and essentially engulfing material that makes you think differently. Um, and so that was the biggest, I guess, kind of revelatory thing for me these past three or four years, especially is, um, you know, I don't, I don't think any experience I've had in my life that I, I would say I regret um, or I would change totally. um, because I think it all gets you ultimately to where you end up. Exactly. Um, but but I, I do wish I would have got to that moment a little quicker because I look at those like 10 or 12 years and I was like, man, um, I mean, I, I had a ton of, uh, of memories. I wouldn't change the world, a, a ton of success and championships with some of the, the schools and, yeah. and teams I coached and recruited some some amazing athletes and had some amazing um, relationships and interactions with people. Um, but, but I wish I would have invested in myself a lot earlier on than what I ended up doing. And I love that answer. And, and I don't, and that's why I like to preface it with assuming you would change nothing. Cause all, <laughs> all the, all the experiences you had have made you into the person you are now. And, and I would say it's very easy to look at you and say, you're, you know, you're killing it, man. So I hope, I, I, I hope you, that question doesn't evoke any, like, I don't want to evoke any regret, but it's really awesome. No, no, to, not at all. It's awesome yeah. to hear from someone like you and for me, and then the people listening, like just what you just said alone. That's an awesome answer. And just reminding us that like, to become the person you want to become feeding our brains is so important. And that's something I'm going to, that hits home for me that I got to keep, keep going on. And I hope, you know, my audience takes away from, so, you know, this was awesome conversation, man. I love what you put out there and mindfulness and meditation is so important. I definitely recommend my audience to check out the mind sport app. And, and then if you're interested on top of that, the Buddha was a baller book was really awesome read for me. And, and Ryan, I really appreciate it, man. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's been awesome too. And, uh, the 24-year-old version of Max is already killing it, so you got a, a leg up on me. Congrats on, <laughs> on what you're doing. I, I love the podcast and the, and the Instagram accounts and all that stuff, man. You're helping a lot of people, too, so props to you on all that. That means a lot. I appreciate that. A lot of room to grow, but it definitely hear, helps to hear that, so thank <laughs> We've you. We've all got that. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast, Ryan. All right. Thank you. That does it for that episode, guys. If you listen to the whole thing, please let me know how you like it. Hit me up on Instagram. I respond to everybody. I'm most active on there. Send me a DM, man. Let me know how you liked it, how you like this podcast, what you want to see more of. Maybe send me a guest that you want me to have on. That'd be greatly appreciated. I really appreciate you guys listening to my podcast. I'm having a ton of fun doing this, talking to some epic people. If you enjoy the podcast and haven't done so yet, please leave me a, a review on the Apple iTunes app. That stuff means the world to me. I'm doing this for free right now, so 
if there's anything you could do for me just leave me a review that's it comment five stars of course because uh hopefully it's five stars worthy and that's it so i appreciate you guys listening to the whole podcast see you guys next time